0: Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, What is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, a little information for you and the listeners. These are the trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about horror movies, horror culture, which could involve anything from murder, rape, suicide, child abuse, F bombs. we're going to be talking about graphic things. So if that's not your thing, then then go away. And and I don't know, watch Disney or something. But <laughs> if you like messed up things, then sit back. Welcome. And welcome. And listen to us talk about all the fucked up things. Uh, let's see. So, uh, welcome back. We've, we've been on a bit of a break. Steve had to work on some uh, certifications and stuff, and I got a new job. And, there, you know, life happened. Um, so we don't really have anything... Uh, lined up the as calendar. far as, like, on the, on the calendar for what guests we have next. But today, we have the honor of having uh, Mr. Rick Danford, writer, actor, and director. Best known for such works as the Dawn and the Dead web series, which is also a motion comic, which is dope. And uh, mm-hmm. Web of Darkness, a vampire flick that was filmed right here in Tampa and St. Pete.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. Welcome, Dan. Good afternoon. How you doing? I mean. very much. Rick.
1: <laughs> Trust um, me, I do that all the time. It's crazy. <laughs> Thank you for having me, guys.
0: Good to have you, Rick.
2: <laughs> so, in this interview, we'll be asking three sets of questions covering your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood to find out what it is about horror that you like. The idea being that if we interview enough people, we might find some interesting common themes, but also find maybe some unexpected ones that might be cool too. Uh Coming at it from three different angles like that sometimes triggers memories that you'd forgotten about. Um, but that meant, that said, it's not meant to be a therapy session. So if there's anything that we ask that you don't want to answer, just say pass and we'll move on. Um, but starting with childhood, what are your earliest memories of scary things?
1: Oh, boy. Okay. But if this does turn into a therapy session, I'm not going to get billed at some point, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Only for the rental of the Chase Lounge. <laughs> we'll leave that option open. <laughs> um, earliest memories um probably the earliest memory of horror that i have is and i can't remember the date of this i just remember that i was very very small and i remember going to a movie theater with my father and i believe my uncle and they took me to see night of the living dead nice and, okay i mean i had to be really really small because that movie was made back in the late 60s so uh, i'm not sure when they it was in the theaters as far as at that point, but I remember going there and it it definitely affected me. It didn't scare me or freak me out or anything like that. It just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just it just seemed like something so different from everything that I had seen prior to that. And just really, I think what it is, is, is the adrenaline. I mean, what, what horror brings to you is the whole adrenaline rush of uh, putting yourself in that situation and trying to imagine something like that happening. So I think that kind of hit me right there. Like, what are these feelings? Where, where does this come from? Because I don't think I had mm-hmm. that before. Um, another early memory of mine was, uh, when I was young, I remember, um, I used to go during the summer to visit some of the different family. My, my parents had sent me to, uh, spend some time with my, uh, grandmother and grandfather in New York city. And I remember the guest room was actually in the attic, which was kind of creepy. And uh, I remember going up there and I'd sleep up there and believe it or not, as uh, crazy as it sounds, every Friday night at 11 o'clock on the radio, they had this horror radio show called the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Hmm. And I used to listen to that every Friday night, laying in bed in the attic in the pitch dark to go to sleep. So yeah, the the roots run deep with me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice thing to fall asleep to. I know. (laughs) Probably had some good dreams. I probably did. Yeah. Yeah. Because they had some, they had
1: some pretty scary ones. I mean, it wasn't hardcore horror. They had some thrillers and stuff like that. And some psychological horrors, which might make you excited, but uh, they did have some that were really, really uh, creepy. And with horror, that's the beautiful thing about it is that since you don't have a visual, you have to imagine everything. And like Mm -hmm. Tom Savini told me when we were making Web of Darkness, you'll scare people a lot more with what you don't show them than what Mm -hmm. you will.
2: Of course. So that's cool. So you said you were 12 or 13. About what years would that have been?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I didn't think there was going to be math on this show. Um, <laughs> it's too early for 12 math. 12 or 13. I was, let's see, uh, probably 79, 80, somewhere around
2: there. So that's, that's kind of strange because I was thinking, you know, when you were talking about the, you know, the radio program, i didn't think that that was something that would still be going on on the radio until, you know, late 70s, early 80s. That's yeah, late kind of 12 been like
0: the 50s? What, what happened there? It's still going on you. <laughs> are you in a <laughs> hyperbolic time live live for
1: a while? Really? Yeah, there are still shows on there today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No,
0: I Absolutely. believe that. It's like, it, it's sounded to me like the horror version of 970 FLA. Like Like shit you would just listen to late at night with crazy crackpot theories sometimes, but... But more well, with fictional horror stories. It sounds
1: like. Yeah, they, they're actually full blown. Uh, what they call radio plays, full oh, wow. cast. So it's like basically listening to a, a movie because they actually had uh, you know the roles cast and everything else, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful thing, and it kind of ties into something that I'll pitch to you that I'm doing right now.
2: Sweet. Oh, that's right. I forgot we. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to give you a minute to uh, pitch whatever yeah, it, it is that you're that currently working on. Over. Go ahead. Exactly.
1: Okay, so I actually started writing my own um, shows. And I went ahead and I wrote the screenplays. I got actors together, including uh, Scream Queen Brink-Stevens in California, and I sent them the scripts. They recorded most of their dialogue either over the computer or on their phones sent them to me. I used my uh, program called iMovie on my iMac, edited it all together, added sound effects, created Foley, added music, and started putting out episodes. I've actually got three episodes out now for a radio show called No Sleep Tonight. And hmm. I'm the narrator, and I play a character on some of their shows, and uh, they've been doing really well. We've got almost 2,000 uh, downloads already. It's available on iTunes, on Apple, um everywhere pretty much everywhere that you can get on youtube as well and i've got a fourth episode that uh, we're in the middle of uh, putting together right now and i'm going to try and get about eight to ten episodes for our first season and then reach out to a few horror sites and see about actually getting it uh, hosted there but uh, so far nice. it's doing really well it's it's really cool it's just something neat that i can do all myself right so
2: yeah all right so night of the living dead um cbs radio mystery theater what else anything else
1: I remember my parents used to take me to the drive in, which is, you know, there's not very many drive ins around right now, but uh, we used to go to the drive in. And uh, during the drive in, I remember seeing several different horror movies. And they used to have these little, like, uh, I don't know what they call them, like little, almost like little short films that were in between that were all horror related that I can just barely remember images and little things. Mainly all I remember is the feelings and stuff. And I always remember I enjoyed being scared. You know, mm-hmm. just that, that feeling, that rush that goes through you with the hair standing up on your arm mm-hmm. and stuff. That's just such a cool feeling, and it kind of gets your heart racing. And that's just a feeling that I really enjoy. And to me, I'd much rather scare somebody than make somebody laugh or something like that, because to me, the scaring is what will will we'll stick with them and get them talking about it much more than if you made if you cracked a joke or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tends to linger.
0: Ooh, ooh, I got a thing for this. Actually, a, mm-hmm. a friend of mine and I were um, doing like a – Collab music project, uh, Steve, it was Kat and I, and uh, we, we decided to call the, uh, the project horripilation which <laughs> is the phenomenon where something gives you chills and your hairs stand on end.
1: Yep.
2: Mm.
0: It's interesting, though, that uh, you actually call attention to that. Like a lot of people realize later on that they enjoyed the feeling of the adrenaline rush of watching something horrific or, or something scary uh, but you're saying that you actually recognized that as it was happening at a young age, like, hey,
1: yes, I like this. Yeah, I like this better than comedy. Is yeah, good. absolutely. It just like I said, it brings that feeling about you that you, you don't experience in almost anything else. And it, it tends to linger. It sticks with you.
2: Mm. Do you remember anything in specific scaring you? Like you mentioned that uh, you had these, you know, you felt the adrenaline. But do you remember a specific thing that scared you?
1: I can't remember anyone that actually gave me nightmares or caused me to, you know, turn away or anything like that. The only one that ever bothered me, and I can't really put my finger, maybe you therapists can help me with this, but mm-hmm. I can't really put my finger on exactly what it was that disturbed me. But I remember seeing a movie called It's Alive, and okay. it was about like this mutant baby or whatever, which is, if you really think about it, it's completely stupid, the whole concept. But that movie kind of got me. I don't know whether it was the whole idea of having some. Mutant baby running around slashing people, or the, the because they didn't show the maybe that's what it was. They really didn't show the baby that much in the movie. You just kind of caught like little glimpses of a corner of the face or whatever, and your imagination puts the rest of it together. So oh. that might be what it was. But that's the only one that ever really gave me chills and and, and kind of bothered me a little bit. I mean, I I remember seeing The Exorcist when I was when I was young in the driving. And if, I mean, if that didn't scare you, I mean you're pretty much dead at that point, right? <laughs>
2: I don't know, Chris. Are you dead <laughs> at that point? Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and if you think about that, The Exorcist was a movie that was made back in the 70s. And mm-hmm. it's still to this day considered, you know, one of the scariest movies, if not the scariest movie of all time. So if that's not staying power, I don't know what is.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I'm sorry. I was distracted with the, the slowness on my reaction because I'm looking at pictures of It's Alive. And yeah, just it's the lighting. And and the slight glimpses of this baby face, which That's are absolutely horrifying.
1: That's gotta be what it is. Because then your imagination puts the rest of it together, which is probably a lot worse than what they would have shown you.
0: Yeah. Maybe. I mean they've got some full shots of it where it looks like it's like biting into this guy's neck or something, but it looks like most of the shots are like, what the hell is that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and when you're looking at a movie back in the seventies, they didn't they weren't, you know, really well known for a lot of the great, you know, horror graphics back then. So I mean, if it looks kind of creepy now, it was probably horrific back then.
0: Mm. It's like a vampire rubber Johnny.
2: (laughs) 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 So you mentioned your, your father and your uncle, were they also horror fans? Did you have other people in your friends or your family group that uh, were horror fans?
1: Um, I know my father enjoyed horror. He, I wouldn't necessarily consider him a horror fan. He was more into Westerns and stuff like that, but he did, he did enjoy horror, but I'm not sure if it was that he enjoyed it or he enjoyed trying to get a scare out of me. I'm not Mm. sure what it was, but either way it worked. Uh, As far as my mom goes, she's not a big horror fan at all. I remember she said she saw The Exorcist uh, when she was fairly young as well, and Mm -hmm. it really bothered her because she's very religious, and she cried on the subway on the way home after watching (laughs) that movie. And a funny story about that is that I remember when we went to the drive-in to see it, like I said, I had my younger sister with me. And I remember, if you remember the movie, there's a scene where uh, she's on the bed and her eyes turn white. Um, yep. I remember that very scene because at that very moment, when her eyes turned white, my sister yelled, screamed out, ran out of the car and ran into the bathroom and didn't come out. Mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, this mm-hmm, day, mm-hmm. she's tried to watch the movie multiple times and she said she can't get past that one scene. So, <laughs> it's so messed up. <laughs> well,
0: if it's, the, um, um, if it's the cross scene, if she was your younger sister at the time, maybe maybe a good... That she left the car and
1: didn't watch that. Uh, you know, <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's true. The cross scene yeah. was pretty intense. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so, was there anything that uh, you experienced in your early life then that uh, you know either triggered any existing memories or uh, enhanced ones that you already had? I know that
1: though, those moments stuck with me. Whether it be the feeling or the adrenaline rush or or whatever the case is, uh, I enjoyed that feeling. I enjoyed bringing that to life. And I know that I read a lot of books back in the day. I was a big Dean Coons fan, read pretty much everything he came out with, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Uh, so I read everything that they came out with. And I know that those books... And the early movies have stuck with me to the point where once I actually got into wanting to develop screenplays and wanting to be a filmmaker, I knew that I had a lot of those original ideas that had never been, um, you know, kind of realized as a matter of fact, like the horror radio show, there was one particular episode in that CBS radio mystery theater that you can actually pull up on YouTube. It's called Hickory Dickory Doom. Mm -hmm. And that is such a great, great episode, uh, about, um, basically, uh, grandfather clock that turns out to be a gate to hell. And every mm-hmm. time it chimes, it's summoning the demons, showing them the way to earth. And I thought it was nice. such a great episode that I would love to develop that into a, into a movie at some point. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, as the way Hollywood is now with all the reboots and the, and the sequels, it just seems like we've run out of ideas. I think that's a whole area that they could tap into that had some great new, interesting ideas that nobody's ever tapped into.
2: Right. So, did you participate in
1: Halloween as a kid? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, um, uh, I used to always try to find the the different costumes. because that, that's the thing is that back ah. in the day when I was a kid, everybody had the stuff that the, the plastic masks that you went and you got at the Walmart's or whatever yep. that was, mm-hmm. and everybody was doing the same thing. So I I really kind of balked at that when I was a kid. I wanted to get put the makeup on and the fangs or whatever, something a little different that would help me stand out. And and, Mm -hmm. yeah, we used to do the whole trick or treating thing and stuff. And then later in life, um, the haunted hay rides and the haunted mansions Mm -hmm. and stuff. So always, always looking for stuff like that. I love stuff like that.
2: Did you have a favorite costume?
1: Um, Not really because I mean, I, I did costumes at the beginning when I was young and then after that, it's like the only time I would ever wear a costume is if we're going to go to like to a, a costume contest. The last costume I remember putting together, I went to a costume contest at some bar, um, and I remember being all dressed up, and I had this sash that I had my mom make for me, and the sash across the sash it said blessing, and then mm-hmm. I had that uh, that old Groucho Marx, um, what do you call it, uh, eyeglasses with the fake nose and the mustache that I mm-hmm. put on. Oh my god! And I remember walking up to the judges' table, and the one judge looked at me. Mm-hmm. And he says, what exactly are you supposed to be? Really? And blessing I took the, in disguise? I took the, yeah. I, exactly. I took the glasses off, and I said, I'm a blessing in disguise. So needless <laughs> to say, I won that one.
0: So. Yeah. You should have. <laughs> you won that any, one uh, justifiably.
2: Any least favorite costumes?
1: Oh, God. Uh, least favorite was probably this one Frankenstein that we did many, many, many you know, horrible years ago. And I had a friend of mine put me up, and it's like it just it started coming apart, and it just – At one point, I just figured, forget it. Just took it off and and enjoyed everybody else and, you know, burned it somewhere.
2: (laughs) Yeah, ones that fall apart usually aren't all that fun.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, even when it was together, I don't think it was all that fun.
0: Yeah, can relate.
2: Did you like the process of getting dressed up, putting on the makeup? Was it, uh, you know, going and being with other people? Was there a specific part of it that you enjoyed the um i don't think it was the getting makeup and and getting all dressed up and stuff because to me that
1: just seemed like let's hurry up and get out to where we need to be mm-hmm. i think it was just the getting with together with everybody taking a look at all the different costumes see who went out of their way to do something unique and and there were so so many people that actually um uh kind of went above and beyond to try and Develop something unique and different, or whatever. And those are the people that I really appreciated that you took some time and effort to come up with something rather than just go and buy a costume and get made up or whatever. You know, I, I really appreciated that more. You know so,
0: you, you got something there. That's maybe like the root of why we like going to conventions and seeing things like that, too. It's like that's for me, that's maybe 50% is things like MegaCon, con. I, I love going there and just seeing all the costumes people come up with.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't with. like. I don't like seeing the people that just go and get the little store bought costumes and put those on, even though, you know, some of them are younger and you kind of just go with it. But I like the people that you could see that they put some serious work and serious effort and maybe even some serious money into Mm -hmm. developing those costumes. And those are the ones that are walking around taking pictures with everybody. But uh, yeah, it's it's stuff like that. It's like, it's your chance to kind of. Be somebody else and be something else and step out of the real world and 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 show appreciation for you know the genre or the movies or the characters that you love and I, I love that stuff
2: exactly nice uh let's see so um, you mentioned that you might have had some scary dreams as a kid nothing uh, no like um, no reoccurring dreams or anything like that
1: no no reoccurring dreams I mean I um I I sometimes and of course this this of course makes me really weird sometimes, but uh, I'll listen, even to this day every once in a while, I'll listen to some of those horror radio shows and I'll put them on and go to sleep Mm -hmm. to them and the reason I do that is hoping that they <laughs> infest but you'll which, have a dream yeah because to me it's like people talk about oh my god i had a nightmare last night it bothered me i'm like oh my god i'm hoping to have a nightmare right like, yeah, the the notepad
0: next to my bed i'm ready for it
1: exactly i don't know how my, <laughs> my, my my movie the web of darkness that actually came from a nightmare that i had huh. and i woke up in the morning and started jotting down the notes because that's one thing with me i don't know if it happens with a lot of people but when i have really juicy dreams like that or whatever the, the more the day goes on you mm-hmm. forget what happened. Yeah. So I tried to yeah. write down what I remember as quickly as I can. And then I just kind of developed the rest of it after that. But yeah, that was all because of a nightmare. So nice. I love it. Nightmares to me are good stuff.
2: Cool. Cool. Uh, all right. So for your childhood, we would say, you know, it definitely made you happy, but there's nothing that you could put your finger on about why it made you feel happy other than the adrenaline. Um, but we're not really sure what triggered the adrenaline
1: no yeah that's that's the thing that's definitely a question that I've thought about many times. what it is that really kind the of the whole primordial thing or whatever I'm not sure what it is, but I mm-hmm. think the adrenaline rush I think the feeling that you get with it the, the kind of like you tapped on a word that your true self comes out when you're scared as opposed to any other time um I think it's just stuff like that and just just to be able to get that kind of reaction and kind of be able to 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 hit that that mark is what really makes me happy
2: mm. Well, the reason I ask is because, you know, a lot of different people will specify a, a specific, um, either movie or creature, for example, like there are some people that we've talked to that particularly liked, uh, vampires, or mm-hmm. I think he, that guy also had a friend who specific, bleh, specifically liked, uh, werewolves. werewolves, um, you know, being, I, being able to identify with a particular character, sometimes, you know, you can dig into that a little bit and and understand maybe that there's something about that character that they like, um, but without having any specific, uh, you know, memory, then, like you say, it's just the adrenaline, but you well, can't really dig. I mean, if you think about, like you just
1: said, specific, I, didn't, I didn't think about it that way, but if you look at, specific, because I, I love... All horror. I mean, zombies, werewolves, vampires. What I love all horror, uh, supernatural horror, and everything. But if I obviously, to me, my overwhelming favorite are werewolves. I love yeah. werewolves. I love the whole mythology of werewolves, and I've read so many werewolf books when I was young, and and the movies. And the best movie to this day to me is still an American Werewolf in London.
0: Still, um, yes.
1: Oh yeah, and and, and that, not just the transformation, but just the movie as a whole. Oh, but yeah. I've always enjoyed that whole thing. And I've actually written a script called Lycanthrope. It's a feature length, uh, script about a guy who actually enjoys being the creature and is taking to full advantage the powers and the, th- and the things that come to him. In that in that moment, and mm-hmm. I've sent that uh, script to a couple different film festivals, including uh, one of the biggest horror film festivals in the country, which is the New York City Horror Film Festival. And mm-hmm. I sent it to that, and uh, um, it actually was a finalist uh, for mm-hmm. that one. So I'm really hoping to kind of tweak that a little bit and and get it up, because I think that that would make a really exciting and fun movie to. To make, but it's going to take some money because, mm-hmm. to me, my werewolf—you see him in his full glory from the get-go. It's not like all those werewolf movies you see nowadays, where it's just flashes of fur or eyes or a claw, and you don't really get to see him till the end. Mine is up front and, you know, in your face, right from the get-go. So he's got to look great, or else it's not going to work. But uh, hmm. werewolves are definitely my favorite by far.
0: I like that twist on it too. Like how, how he embraces it, you know, it's not like the typical, oh, what am I going to do now? I'm a werewolf. This is going to ruin my whole life. No, dude owns it. I like it.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, because that's the thing is like almost 90% of the werewolf movies, it's always the kind of the tortured soul. The guy becomes a werewolf you know, by no fault of his own, because mm-hmm. he's bitten or scratched by something else. And it's, he's tortured and trying to find a way out, whether it be to commit suicide or to have somebody kill him or whatever. So he can finally release the curse. You don't really see too much where a guy is like, Hey, this is a gift. I'm
2: going to enjoy this and take advantage of this. I like this. I like it. Do you do you remember the first time uh, you were introduced to that character or, or first time that you uh, saw an interpretation of it that you really enjoyed?
1: Probably when I was really, really young, I remember being shown the original Wolfman, but that was like 1931 was when that came out of 34, something like that. So I don't know if I saw it on like Creature Feature or, or something or some kind of show like that. But I remember seeing that when I was really, really young and, um, I really enjoyed it because they, they made it creepy for a movie as old as it is and black and white and stuff. It's still pretty much, it still holds up pretty well today. So uh, I also remember seeing one that I cannot remember for the life of me, what it was called, and I've been looking for it for the longest time. All I remember is one particular image. I remember it was a little boy who was hiding because his father was a werewolf, and he was hiding from his father, and his father was, as the werewolf, he was like digging a hole in the front yard or whatever because he was trying to find his son, and his son was hiding from him, and it was so creepy and so cool looking, but I I can't remember any more of that movie. I just One day I hope to be able
2: to... To figure out what that is, well, maybe if we have a listener who uh, knows what it is, they can get in touch with you and tell you. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you another little story. There was
1: a song that I remember when I was really, really young. My dad had me listen to the song, and we never knew what the title was or anything. I just remember the one line in the song. The song was about a father and a mother, and and their son. And their son had was a werewolf, and the mother was pleading with the father that you've got to, you've got to kill him, but. I don't want you to kill him because he's our son. And the only line we could remember from that song is I've got a job to do and I've got to get it done before the sun goes down. And we could not find that song for many, many years. And I remember many years later, I thought it was such a great thing that I, I think I called, uh, One of the radio stations I forget what it was But there was a DJ That's really well known Here in the area He's retired since then Mason Dixon I think was his name Mm -hmm. And um, I remember calling him Because he knows Almost everything And he helped me And find out What the song was And the song was called Werewolf And it was by a band Called the Five Man Electrical Band And I remember Once I downloaded that song And listened to it It's just like all the adrenaline going through me. my hair stood up and everything. Like, oh my god, I found it! That that mystery has been solved. I remember sh- having my dad listen to it and that smile on his face when it's like we could finally put that mystery behind.
2: <laughs> <this>. <laughs> so nice. it's a song All right. So, moving into teenage years, um, you mentioned Dean Koontz and Stephen King. Yep. Um, I'm guessing you started reading those in teenage years, maybe a little too early for childhood.
1: Probably. I mean, I started with Stephen King and I love Stephen King. He's a very visual writer. He's uh, got probably the most unbelievable imagination of anybody I've ever read. But Mm -hmm. he was sometimes hard to follow because like the book, The Stand, which was one of my favorite books, like a 500 page book, the first 250 pages took me like six months to read. But the last 250 pages I read like over in three days, because Mm -hmm. it was just everything was like culminating in the action and everything else. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of got me to read Dean Koontz. And I remember once I got into him, I liked him a little bit more. So I got, started reading a lot of his books. But I, I was always the one that I had to have a book I was in. When I was starting to get towards the tail end of a horror book, I had to go out and find another book to have it on standby. So the night that mm, I finished okay. that one, I can jump right into this one. Always had to nice. have a book.
2: Uh, other than The Stand, any other Stephen King favorites that jump out at you?
1: Uh, Cujo. Cujo was a yep. big favorite of mine. Of course, the movie was good too, but uh, the movie was definitely a little bit different than uh, the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Cujo was definitely uh, a big one. Salem's Lot, the book yep. was great. The movie was good, but it was it's very dated. and doesn't hold up quite as well. But uh, that was about it as far as everything else. I mean, he, like I said, oh, Cycle of the Werewolf. Uh-huh. They turned that one into the movie Silver Bullet with Gary Busey and stuff. But uh, Cycle of the Werewolf was a good book.
2: What about Dean Koontz?
1: Dean Koontz, the first book I ever read of his was a book called Phantoms and I think they turned that into a movie later on which wasn't very good but the book was really good but he had one book called Darkfall that about um, I couldn't remember exactly what it was about but it was like little demons that were chasing these people throughout New York City and stuff and they were coming out of the woodwork and it was it was kind of a crazy book but it was just action-packed and uh, that one and Servants of Twilight
2: those are my three favorites So uh, anything else jump out at you from your teenage years uh, that really influenced you in horror? Um, teenage
1: years were definitely the horror radio shows and definitely the books, because I was very much into reading, not as much movies. I was, I I was watching some movies. I'm a big fan of the 80s. I love Mm -hmm. 80s music and 80s horror movies and stuff. That to me is where it really started with as far as with regards to the movies, as far as Return of the Living Dead and, and um, uh, the George Romero movies and stuff like that at the beginning of the late 70s to early 80s. Um, I've got a huge, huge DVD collection and uh, I have a hope my eighties collection all set aside creep show oh. and, and all that stuff. So to me, that's really where my, uh, I think my horror kicked in because that, that was the time of horror was what the eighties. I mean, Halloween was 79 and really kicked in and now it's up to like part 19 or 20. <laughs> yeah. Same yeah. Same thing with the Hellraiser
0: um, series. Yeah, yeah. And you have the Hellraiser, slashers, right, yeah. the 13th, Freddy. Yeah. The eighties yep, was yep. definitely the heyday of horror.
1: Exactly. That's what I think really cemented it for me. And with the movies and everything else, I went from books into movies. And uh, once I went to there, then I started to get to the idea that I originally I wanted to be an actor. And uh, thought about acting, but then I just started thinking that I write stories. I was writing little short stories and little episodic pieces and stuff where I really realized that I want to be a screenwriter. And that's when I mm-hmm. had that nightmare and wrote The Web of Darkness.
2: So how did you go from the books to the movies? Like... Um what was that process like?
1: Um, probably just being lazy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Books—it's like you, you, you to sit there and read them, and it's like I enjoy books because when you read them, it's it's kind of like the radio shows. Your your mind is the is the screen, so therefore you're able to imagine. So much more than you'll ever be able to see a makeup effects artist or anything like that do. So it, it can be much more horrific or much more frightening when you're reading something. But um, I just, I think it was the 80s and, the, and I really got into the whole. 80s movie vibe i mean there was like a horror movie coming out every week and everybody was talking about it. and the drive-ins were big then and groups getting groups together to go to the uh like we used to have a, a thing in tampa called the tampa picture show mm-hmm. um and it was one of those places where you can go there sit and order you know food and stuff like that and sit in front of the screen and watch tv rather than being in a theater where mm-hmm. you pretty much just can have popcorn and a coke or whatever it was more of a relaxed environment mm-hmm. where you can get groups of friends and stuff together over cheese nachos and watch you know horror movies. So luckily with that, uh, they used to play a lot of the old horror movies and stuff there. So we used to always get together. And then I had friends of mine that were acting in the, um, even though this isn't quite horror, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had friends in high school that were actually acting. And what we did is we went to the, uh, uh, the movie theater in University Square Mall, and we were actually acting out the Rocky Hart picture show in the front row before there were any actors. And then they started bringing us down in front of the screen and we put together a cast and we were doing that. And we actually started the actors, uh, I believe because nobody was doing that um, at least in that theater prior to us doing it. And then we actually were putting together the groups and every Friday and Saturday night, that was where we met all our high school Shut friends. We'd meet there. Up. Wait, were you I, in, um, what was it? Indispensable parts? No, but I know them and I've seen them. Okay. Okay. But yeah. We we um I forget where I saw them, but it was probably uh, a picture were...
0: show. I think they used to do it at Tampa Picture Show.
1: Yes, I think I think you're right. That's where I met them first. Yeah, but no, we were doing this at the University of Square Mall. Okay, we'd go and see we'd go and see the movie, and mm. we'd act it out in the front row until they start the the I guess the owner there or manager there told us that we can go in front of the screen, so we wouldn't take up that row. And our friends were coming in and watching us, and we just started divvying out roles, and we'd act it out right in front of the screen, and uh, and it got to be a regular thing. So every Friday and Saturday night, that's where we started our evening, and then from there, then we'd go out drinking.
2: Mm. Nice so at this point you did have a group of friends that you were starting to get together with that enjoyed horror yes. um, didn't didn't introduce any existing fears or trigger uh, sorry introduce any new fears or just man I can't talk today words <laughs> <laughs> didn't did not introduce any uh, new fears or trigger any existing ones uh, no. you were going to say something
1: uh, i was trying to think I'm saying no definitely not Rocky Horror other than you know uh, the fear of having to wear pantyhose in front of anybody but I didn't do <laughs> it that is where uh, I
0: stopped I was, I was <laughs> this close to playing Brad and they're like and then you get to do the floor show
2: and I'm like ah no yeah. no, no, no we're going to- <laughs>
1: that was for the actors that followed us
2: right <laughs> Yeah. no actually I meant uh, any of the things that you had talked about any of the books or the movies that we've talked about so far. Not just Rocky, but...
1: Um,
0: um, no. And maybe not even t- fears that any, uh, any of the things that you uh, took in, you know, movies or literature or any, any of the sources there, did they uh, inspire any new interests in other themes of horror or anything aside from werewolves?
1: Um, as far as expanding my, um, my uh, thoughts as far as what types of films, um, I know that I definitely started to expand, especially after seeing The Exorcist. Uh, into the whole supernatural genre, mm-hmm. um, Servants of Twilight—that book I told you I read from uh, Dean Koontz—I think mm-hmm. he wrote that under a pseudonym. As a matter of fact, I think it was Lee Nichols, but it was okay. a Dean Koontz book. But it was called Servants of Twilight, and that's where I think the whole supernatural kick took off. Outside of um, because everything else was either vampires or werewolves or creatures of some kind, but uh, supernatural really held a, a, a strong hold on me because that's, that's that one little area that almost everybody keeps thinking like, is there something truly going on there? Is, there? is there something like that? Whether it be Ouija boards or whatever, think about it. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day about the whole Ouija boards. I mean, if you really think about that, there's people to this day that will not and refuse to do it and get upset if you even talk about playing with the Ouija board. But if you think about it, that was created by Parker Brothers And put out on their shelves for kids to buy. Yeah. Like, we want your kids to open up a gate to hell. Yeah, it's fine.
0: (laughs) Just, you know, talk to the other world. And uh, while you're in there, get your soul. You don't need it.
1: Right. I would love to know the backstory of how that ever came to be. What 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 uh, what meeting did they ever have that somebody said, hey, look, we're going to we're going to make this uh, thing here, a portal to hell that we're going to put out on the shelves for kids and say, hey, that's great. Let's well, do it. Next I in plain idea?
0: sight, You know, that's that's what it is. It's that secret mm-hmm. Illuminati that's on the, the island off the coast of Georgia and they do all the other weird shit. But, yeah, they yes. purposefully said we are going to peddle this toy
1: to children and have them open gates to hell because yep. we're evil. Absolutely. There has to be something like that, because I can't see how that would have gone over. I mean, if you think about the whole genesis of what that is or what it's supposed to represent, how could you pitch that to somebody, a a, a popular toy maker, and them say, yeah, that sounds cool. That'll go over well. (laughs) Obviously, they didn't. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It makes no sense. Are are you familiar with the comedy troupe, Whitest Kids You Know? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not.
0: (laughs) It's like kids in the hall, there's only much more offensive, like almost intentionally offensive.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh. So there's a there's a there's a clip or a skit that they do that's like a pitch meeting, uh, for a grape juice company. <laughs> the grapest. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they're pitching a character for a series of commercials it's a guy dressed up as you know in a grape costume Mm -hmm. and the character is called the grapist and he says some really really borderline stuff like things like i'm gonna grape you in the mouth (laughs) and and they're talking about doing like saying these kinds of things to kids and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a border it's like the, the the whole skit is about like how the whole boardroom is eating this up and there's one guy who's the straight guy and he's saying wait a minute can't you see how close this is to saying that you're going to rape kids and everybody else in the boardroom is going, no, what's, what's wrong with you? It's nothing like that. And you know, (laughs) the whole thing is that, you know, there, there are a lot of people who don't see that at all Uh, and tying it back to the, the Ouija board. Clearly they obviously never thought of it. They probably just thought, Oh, you know, kids are going to screw with each other. They never thought that it was going to specifically take a turn into the supernatural. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that it is related to the supernatural because, you know, that's what a Ouija board is, but, you know.
1: Well, that's what um, I'm saying. If you really think about it, I mean, I'm sure that they were probably thinking like, well, this doesn't really exist. This can't really happen, so what's the real harm in it? But if you really think about what the basic premise is of that entire game, how did they pitch that to Parker (laughs) Brothers and get the okay? You know, I just, I mean, the whole idea of the thing is you're trying to summon... A ghost, or you're trying to summon dead relatives, or this or that. Or how does somebody who developed Monopoly think that this is okay? Let's do that because but they don't is, believe
2: in evil spirits. Yeah,
1: I, I, I guess not. But I just it just boggles my mind. I really think there's almost. I truly believe that the Illuminati thing that you mentioned had to have something to do with it because how that how that got through. I mean, I it was put there purposely, and I would love to know what the backstory was of who did that, who pitched that, how that was okayed, and. And all that stuff. Cause I think there's something going on there.
2: So actually this, uh, kind of segues into something that I was going to try to ask. And instead of, you know, focusing on the fears, flipping it around and asking, okay, well, what did you love about these things? The, the books that you mentioned, for example, the Stan mm-hmm. Cujo Salem's lot cycle of the werewolf. What did you love about those things instead of what, what were you scared of by them or scared of in them?
1: I think what I always looked for in a book is something fresh, a fresh take on something, whether it be werewolves, whether it be zombies, whether it be vampires, because that's unfortunately, that's that's the thing nowadays, is that when somebody makes a zombie movie or writes a zombie book, whatever it is, it's just it's it's a tired, worn genre that that, you know, that people have done over and over and over again. And I don't like somebody being lazy and just doing something for the sake of, hey, it's got zombies in it. We're going to eat some brains or tear some flesh or whatever it is. So let's just do that and and make it and, and be done with it or whatever. To me, I, I like the idea of somebody saying, okay, here's this beloved genre, this beloved concept or creature or whatever it is. Let's take it in a different angle. What if we did this? What if there was this behind that? What if, you know, we'd like, just to give an example, Halloween. Michael Myers, okay? Been done to death. We're up to God knows what chapter or whatever it is. And maybe I'm not the the popular vote, but I saw the trailer for the new Halloween Kills. And there was one line in that trailer that I thought, hey, that's intriguing. I think it was Jamie Lee Curtis where she was talking to somebody about Michael, and she was saying the more he kills, the more he transcends. Mm. And that was mentioned in the original 1978 version from John Carpenter, where it talks about Michael Myers was just... A person, he was a human, but there was a supernatural part of him, and it was like an an internal struggle with him. That's the first time they've touched on it probably since the original where it talked about. Maybe that's what it is: is he's trying to transcend to that completely supernatural being and to do that he has to kill every time he kills almost like whether he absorbs that person or absorbs that energy or whatever it is and it's helping him make that transition it adds to the fact so now you understand why he keeps coming back why you can't kill him Mm -hmm. because he is transcending to that supernatural being and i i like when you try and take something that's 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 you know been used time and time and time and time again but you try to develop something new Try to take it a new direction. Try to give it better meaning, or, or or dig deeper into it and stuff. Put your homework. You know what I'm saying? I really appreciate stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Reminds me of some quote. I don't remember who it was that said it, and I'm probably going to botch the quote, but basically saying that the, artist, the job of the artist today is not to invent something new, but to look at something old in a way that has never been looked at before. Exactly.
1: You know? That's exactly what I mean. Exactly. Take something old that you're thinking, okay, it's just something that you've done time and time and time again, but let's take it in a new direction. What if we add this? change what if we you know tweaked in this respect it could take something old and worn out and turn it into a whole new idea and a whole new scare you know something else that hey i didn't think of it that way Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i mean in a way that's kind of where i went with the uh the pieces comic that i'm working on that i aspire to eventually make into a film is i i kind of always do that with my story writings i'll go to something classic like werewolves or zombies or ghouls or uh, the, the Misfit Texas Chainsaw style family and take that original archetype and put a new twist on it. So with them, it was like, all right, um, Texas Chainsaw Misfit family, but they're also in addition to being cannibals. I, I think my original inspiration was lepers huh. and that somehow de- uh, evolved into like like they would eat rotten flesh. Or, or they would eat their own rotten flesh and fall off. I don't know. I was just spitballing and brainstorming ideas, and ultimately right. it ended up being a um, psycho Texas Chainsaw style necromancy family that, uh, is are, are cannibals, but also kill people so that they can take their body parts to replace their body parts that have fallen off, and they have to use necromancy to fuse them because you can't just sew dead body parts onto yourself; they just they won't work.
1: Right. Right.
0: There you go. That's the spoilers for the entire story of what I'm. On. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can relate like, you know, it's, it's cool to take old archetypes like classic archetypes like that and be like, all right, this but also on fire. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Going back to the teenage year questions, did you mm-hmm. participate in Halloween?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) most of my teenage years, it was mainly attending parties and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So we did dress up occasionally, but for the most part, it was more about decorating the houses and having the Halloween music in the background Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that. And just getting drunk, you know, and uh, (laughs) playing scary things, whether it be with the Ouija board or whatever. I never really played, believe it or not, as much as I talk about it, I never really played, or at least I can't remember ever doing the Ouija board. Yeah, me either. Cause
0: just in case what if it is real, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't you don't play with that kind of stuff.
2: I no. might need one of these someday.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> or I might not want to I might want to not piss off something that's on the other side by making a game out of something they take seriously. Like yeah. Well.
1: Right. Well, that's why I don't have that little planchette, that tool they talk about. Yeah. I don't have it sitting on the board. I have it set aside or on the table underneath it or whatever. Yeah. I don't even put it on the board to give it a chance to move on its own or whatever. So,
0: <laughs> the last thing you want is, you know, having a party, some drunk assholes like, oh, hey, hey, spirits, can you open up the gates of hell in this living room? Y E F. What? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Actually, no, there's a one that just says yes. So just oh, there's oh, still yes.
0: Even better. That's right. That's, that's right. right. For yes or no answers, you're right. There's there's
1: just that. Yeah, Yeah, but hey, Parker Brothers made it, remember? It's got to be safe. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Safe for kids. You know, it says eight
0: years and up. (laughs) 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 You must be this tall to summon Satan.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Satan pops up. What? You're, you're too young. I'm out of here.
0: eye <laughs> <You try>, Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Call me back in 10 years. Oh, God. Uh, so uh, we already kind of touched on this, but no favorite costume leaves favorite costume from teenagers. Yeah,
1: no, not really. Except that blessing with a, a, a blessing in disguise. Like I said, just cause it was unique and different. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. trying to be unique and different.
2: It's a good plan any uh anytime you're actually terrified of something as a teen
1: no i can't think of anything as far as movies or anything because i mean that's the thing is i saw all these movies that i probably shouldn't have seen when i was young um and what read about real books. life i don't think so i mean i remember the, i remember one time and i can't believe i'm telling this story because it's so stupid but um we used to when we were young when we met girls or whatever it is we would take them to um, and I don't think it's still, well, it is still there, but it's a different name now. It used to be Horizon Park, but now I think it's uh, Al Lopez Park or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we used to take them around Horizon Park and it was kind of like a, like a big track and it had the little woods or whatever it is in the middle and around it. And we'd go around there and they, and they used to do what they called trolling, you know, looking for trolls. And you would not believe how many women um, in the teen years actually believe that stuff like that could be, you know, true. So we would take them out there late at night and we'd go looking for trolls. And there was this one time that we heard something really creepy. And my friend swears to this day that he saw something in the woods. And I remember running with everybody because I just, I guess, got in the whole thing. And we ran. I don't think I've ever run so fast in my life. And I remember running to a tree that had no branches and somehow getting up that tree. And um, And then afterwards thinking like, what in the hell am I doing? but it it put the fear of godness i don't remember seeing anything i remember hearing that noise which was unlike anything that i'd heard before but i think it was just the whole i guess the fear of everybody around me you know kind of sucked its way into me and i was caught up and it could have been some of the alcohol it could have been but um Mm -hmm. i got caught up in that but after being up in that tree i remember thinking like come on and then i got down off the tree and we walked around and didn't see anything and finally we found the girls who i don't know what the heck happened to them and uh we got out of there and that's the last time we did that <laughs> that's okay. the only time i can think of anything like that putting it but i think it was just the environment that i was in that got to me more than whatever it was that we did or didn't see well i just like the
2: the addendum at the end and that's the last time we did that
1: <laughs> that was the last time we did that <laughs> i for
2: that stuff too silly uh, yeah sure yeah right that's that's the excuse you're going with <laughs> i'm going with that one yep yeah. yes uh no scary dreams when you were a teenager no because that's good stuff right
1: yeah i can't think of one scary dream that i ever had that bothered me no yeah, well how, scary about scary, didn't bother how, how
2: about ones that yeah, yeah. there you go
1: well, the one was the one that I had about the vampires with uh, that I turned into the Web of Darkness. That was the only dream that I could really remember. Big parts to that uh, I remembered enough to put most of the storyline together. That I kind of only had to add a little bit. That was the one really good dream that i can remember almost in its entirety that that uh, i turned into the screenplay other than that i mean scary dreams just it, they tend to excite me i mean i've been chased by creatures i've been with people running around trying to board up houses from something or whatever and i remember the entire time in the dream i'm thinking like wow this is cool this is great wow. i don't know whether that's part of that you know how they talk about sometimes you know that you're in a dream mm-hmm. i don't know what they call it what, the, what the terminology is for that or whatever it Lucid is but there's are dreaming something. Yeah. lucid dreaming yes i don't know if it's something like that that maybe in those moments i knew i was in a dream so i was having fun with it It didn't feel like it it just felt like i was part of what was going on there but i was never scared hmm. i don't know it's just weird i just like having dreams like that because to me they seem to excite me more and i know when i've woken up from dreams like that i always try to go back to sleep and you can never get back in the same dream again
2: yeah right that sucks, that sucks. i can never step in the same dream twice
1: Oh, I've tried. Believe me.
2: <laughs> All right. So exciting. Still new. Mm-hmm. Cause you mentioned the, uh, uh, new take or new spin on f- or fresh take. I think was the word right. you used. Yep. Well, I think you kind of said that too, but, uh, even when you were a child, the first, uh, the first movie that you said that you saw, um, that it was something unlike things that you had seen before. Right. And that that like I said, that I think is
1: my biggest trigger. I like trying to find something new, like the zombie genre. I mean, that's been done to death, but there's a movie called Wormwood out of uh, Australia. Awesome movie. Yes, yeah, exactly. You're right, that's a but new I take like on that. that too. There is, yeah, that that's a whole new take on zombies and being able to use the zombie breath as fuel in the cars, not just breath. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that that was something that was cute and, and was, was fun with the movie. But I think the part that I liked the most is the one girl oh, yeah. that could summon the zombies.
0: Yeah, yeah, she had like a telepathic uh, link where she could control the zombies.
1: Yeah, there was some scene where she was getting ready to be, I guess, raped or whatever it is by this military group. Mm-hmm. And her eyes would go wide or something like that. And any zombie within miles would come running to her defense. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a cool little concept if you could control them like that. Hmm they never really went into how that happened or why that happened, but, uh,
2: um, well, I forget what the hell I was going to say now. <laughs> Words. Uh, what the hell was that? How that? How's there's something I was going to, Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, so the concept of finding something new, thrilling and exciting. I'm wondering if that maybe is like a, almost like a family value that maybe was uh, impressed on you even before you got into horror. Is that something that maybe, you know, was that big in your family? Do you know what I mean?
1: I don't know. That's something that I haven't really thought too much about. I know my dad was more into movies than say my mom and stuff was. And my dad was always the kind, I know the one thing that he impressed upon me was that whenever he saw a movie he always wanted there to be some kind of an explanation. He wanted everything to make sense. He wanted this to make this to, in other words, the moves that they made in the movie or the things that they did or the things that they said to make rational sense as to why you would have done that. Right.
2: The reason I wanted to ask that one is because to give you an example, before we got started on this podcast, Chris and I interviewed each other and then we interviewed a mutual friend of ours just to sort of get the process down of what we wanted to do. And the friend that we interviewed turned out he was more of a fan of sci-fi than horror and it kind of dug up that, you know, intelligence is very important to him. And, uh, for reasons that I won't bother going into right here and right now, but you know, from the family that he grew up in intelligence was something that was very important to him. Mm-hmm. And so I start, it made me start to wonder if the, you know, this creativity or finding something new, that's what I mean. If I was wondering if there's some familial tie there that even predates the horror aspect of it, um, but if not, that's okay too. Yeah, not that I'm aware of. No, throwing but, uh, it like at I the said, wall and it doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Wormwood, World War Z, Twenty Eight Days, Weeks Later. Anything else jump out to you as being uh, influencing in your adult in the uh, bleh, adult life? Um. Those are some big ones
1: for sure. Um, uh, I, I love George Romero, everything that he did with uh, wanting to uh, add more to his zombie films. In other words, they had the, the whole cultural thing uh, where they, they were basically like a, a take on what's going on with society at that point. I yeah. like being able to tell a story, but also making a point at the same mm-hmm. time that to me that that's where you really become ingenious when you're when you're doing something and you're creating something that you know is going to be popular based on the overall premise but if you decide to take it that extra step and and add something that you can get people that's what creates water cooler talk and that's where you get really people talking about your your film or your project is when you can <coughs> take something into a whole different you know um uh, a level and make a point about something completely different and 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 that's really where he he made his hay as far as I'm concerned so mm-hmm. yeah i like i like films like that that can that, that, I like to be able to keep one foot in reality. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're if you're making something, whether it be about a creature or a supernatural topic or whatever, if you could make some kind of a footprint in that film to make people where they go, hmm, I wonder, you know, mm-hmm. could that really happen? Could What if we did that? Or could this really be possible if this happened or whatever? That to me is when you can take it to that next level if you can get people, even if it's just for a moment, uh, you know, think like, hmm, I wonder. Mm.
2: Yeah, and often it does take additional creativity to uh to have that element in your work without it feeling shoehorned. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let's see. Do 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 do. do. Um as an adult, do you have a group of friends or family who are also friends of horror with you?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially now that I've done my Halloween horror picture show. I've met a lot of filmmakers, actors, actresses and stuff like that over the years uh, that I've done this. So I've been able to to make friends that have become lasting friends and people that I've developed other films with and uh, the filmmaking friends. I have my friend uh, Austin Janowski. Who is a um, uh, he's a, he's an actor he's a writer he's a director but he's also a comic artist he's uh, drawn for Iron Man and and several different things he's actually the one that uh, developed the comic version of Dawn of the Dead for me that he uh, sent over to his publishing company Second Sight that they're putting it out now he also is doing um, a comic series called Zombies We're All Human Too which I thought was such a cool concept. He, once again, right there, I'll mention Austin. He's taking zombies into an area that, or into a direction that I didn't see before that I think is really cool. In his Zombies Were Human 2 comic, what he's done is, it's an anthology comic. But the basic concept is a group of kids running during uh, a zombie apocalypse, and they get into this like apartment complex, and they're trying to hide out from these big band of zombies that's out there. And one of the kids is a smaller kid who's frightened beyond belief. So what they're trying to do to calm him down is they're looking out the window and picking out like certain zombies over there and talking about their story about who they may have been before the zombie apocalypse. And then they'll go into the little stories and stuff and show that like, I've got um, one story that I wrote for him uh, called zombie poker night, where I talked about a guy going to play in the, like the world series of poker and, and the zombie apocalypse breaks out outside and while the game's going on and the guy's going down to the final couple people, the zombies end up raging inside the casino all the way to where the guy's um, trying to win his uh, title while the zombie apocalypse is breaking out all around him. And uh, he's actually up to volume two right now, which has just been published. And for volume three, I have one that I'm really excited about a story that I wrote called ice cream man about a guy who runs uh, drives an ice cream truck uh, during the zombie apocalypse, trying to bring back hope to the people. And it doesn't quite go out. Uh, doesn't quite go that way, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it turned out really cool. And that's going to be a part of his uh, third volume, but that's a, another like i said an interesting concept from a worn genre that he took
2: into a different direction that i think is really unique that does sound interesting mm-hmm. um let me ask a couple questions that are not just horror related and uh this is going over your entire life not just your you know adult years but i'm going to ask two questions at the same time because the answer could be the same or could be different so i want to give you both questions at the same time okay. uh The first one is, what's your favorite movie? And then the second one is, what movie have you watched more times than any other? Oof.
1: Uh, Those are questions that I get asked all the time.
2: Mm.
1: Um, And as far as what's my favorite movie, it's really hard to put down or to put one movie down because there's so many of them that I will watch over and over again. If I had to pick one, if if, if you were going to drop me off on a deserted island with a DVD player and told I could only have one DVD, Mm. what movie would that be? To me, it's 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 going to be a toss up. So, I, I, but I think the one that is means the most to me is probably Goodwill Hunting. It's oh. not a horror movie, but it's just one that a movie that it, it resonates with me. The characters and and, and I, I think it's that whole idea with the, the Matt Damon character, how Robin Williams' character, because he's a therapist, much like you guys, is able to bring uh, you know those things out of him to have him realize. Who he really is and what it is that is making him tick and what it is that's that, that's giving him the anxiety that he has. And it's such a well-written story and great acting and everything. So it has to be that one. My second one would have to be True Romance, uh-huh. uh, okay. which was written by Quentin Tarantino and is one of the most brilliant movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as horror movies go, Shaun of the Dead. I can see that movie a million times. And every time I watch that movie, I find something new. I don't know what it is but that movie is so brilliant because it's funny. But what makes it funny is the characters, the cast of characters they have in there, yeah. but they play the zombie straight, which mm-hmm. is what I think enhances the whole thing.
0: Also, there's a and lot of uh, really good timing tongue in cheek stuff with Edgar Wright. Like I've heard the same thing from multiple people. You can watch Son yep. of the Dead multiple times and still find, uh, you know, new funny things like, like the, the scene where Ed's talking to uh, his prick roommate, I forgot, is that Pete? And he just kind of mutters under his breath, next time I see him, he's dead. Which is true, because the next time he Mm -hmm. sees him, he's a zombie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. and they also, the thing is too, is that uh, uh, Simon Pegg, who's the main star of the movie, but he's also the co-writer, is a huge horror fan. So he wrote little things into the script throughout that you can catch, like in that one scene there, where he talks, where he goes up there and finds Pete, and Pete's a zombie, Mm -hmm. and he's telling him, you know, why don't you, and then he he stalls for a moment and goes, join us. So he's, looking at other- he's doing that whole evil dead kickback whatever it is so. oh
0: my god I never caught that one
1: <laughs> <laughs> see look at yeah. that yeah. it worked again <laughs> nice brilliant movie what true did you romance. like about
2: true romance
1: Oh, God, what did I like about True Romance? I think the thing that I liked the most, well, I can't say the thing that I liked the most, but the thing that probably got me first was mm-hmm. the fact that if you look at the title, True Romance, I didn't even want to watch the movie. Because it's, come on, it's a true romance. You, know, what yeah, yeah, do you want yeah, it it's a chick for? flick. It's stupid. It's a chick flick. Exactly. I don't want to see that. And when you first start watching it, it's kind of going in that direction with Alabama and him getting together. But then when he goes to get her stuff from the pimp and that whole thing there, and then everything is just like balls to the wall action, it's just, and it, it, goes crazy. He's talking to Elvis in the bathroom mm-hmm. and all the stuff with Drexel and everything else. I'm just like, "Oh my god." Then the mob comes in and Brad Pitt is the stoner in the couch. Come on. I mean, it, it, there were so many little things that happened in that movie, not just situations, but the way that movie just kind of went from a little quick little chick flick to guy to kids meeting and going to fall in love to some kind of blown up thing between the police and the mob and mm-hmm. everything else. It was just it was nuts. And so much good acting and great writing. I just I loved every inch of that movie.
2: Yeah. I've never seen it, but I have seen the clip of uh it was over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I have seen the clip of oh god, what the hell is his name?
0: Uh which one? Yeah, there's shit. a lot of big actors in that movie. Well yeah. Walken, the,
1: uh,
2: uh, the scene with and, Christopher Walken. Yeah.
1: Oh my god, when he's when he's uh questioning Dennis Hopper, his dad.
2: Dennis mm. Hopper, thank you. That yeah, that Oh, was yeah. the name I was yep. screwing up on. The
0: yeah, infamous that's... Sicilian scene. Yeah, that
2: yes. one. <laughs> yep, that's a great scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Because he's like, I'm gonna die anyway, so why not just piss you off as much as I possibly can?
1: And he did, because Christopher Walken says I haven't killed anybody in seventeen years or whatever it was, and he <laughs> yeah. enjoyed
2: every moment of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah I, I probably should watch that movie. I personally am not a huge fan of movies because I hate feeling like I wasted two hours if I, if I didn't like the movie right. but, um, but that one I probably should see.
1: That is a keeper. That is something because like I said, it kind of it turns the genre on its head. It, it keeps you guessing and it keeps escalating as the movie gets bigger and it's like it just it's, it's, and it's so well written and the characters are so good and fresh and it's a great great movie.
2: So I'm guessing these three that we've just talked about here, these are the, the, you know, the trifecta for your favorite movies, which one would you say you've watched more times than any other? What doesn't have to necessarily be one of these three just in, you know, across doesn't the
0: board. It doesn't even have to be a film that you like. Like for me, my answer was uh, the others because I was a projectionist at the time and the film would stick to itself. So I had to flick it every three seconds. Yeah. So I have seen that movie a lot of times. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, the others wasn't a bad movie either, though, but uh, yeah, um, it, was, it was all right. Um, probably the ones I've seen, them. if we're looking at, you know, just, just click count, would have to be between two. One would have to be, of course, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, because while uh, I was yeah. in high school, True. we did that because that was our Friday and Saturday night. Every Friday and Saturday night, we started there, did that movie, and then went out. So that was just a religious thing. Um, and then also, I would probably have to say Star Wars, because that came out when I was really young and I remember being dropped off at the movie theater when I was young by my mom, and I would be at that one movie theater all day long, and we would just go into the movies over and over and over again. We mm-hmm. so saw Star Wars in the theaters like 50, 60 times, God Jeez. knows. And uh, yeah, that was, that, that was the big thing for me, because it's Star Wars. I would have to be Star Wars or Rocky Horror. What did you
2: love about Rocky Horror?
1: I am, for me, what got me was just the camaraderie. I mean, those all my friends. Everybody that I was friends with in high school- that's where they went every Friday and Saturday night. So it was it was really just about going and being with them.
2: What about Star Wars?
1: Star Wars, I think it was, it, it, at that point in time, I was into the sci-fi thing. And I think Star Wars was just because it was different. It was something totally unique. You never expected something like that. I saw it before the hoopla when everybody was going nuts about it. And I think it was just the whole idea about this young kid who's from nowhere getting mixed up in this big giant You know, situation that he ends up being a key contributor to and just making you feel that no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what a dead end life your life seems to be, you could still affect such a big deal. And Mm -hmm. he did that. And I think that kind of resonated with me.
2: Okay. so the reason for those two questions is that sometimes they highlight something that hasn't been brought up in the interview process already, or am I just underline something that's already been, uh, discussed. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting that all five of these movies bring up different things that some of it's been mentioned. Some of it hasn't, um, goodwill hunting. I would say probably a keyword for that you interest in that would be introspection and, for lack of a better word, true man's true romance it goes off the rails and, you know, it's like craziness. Yeah. Uh, Shaun of the dead is funny characters, good writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rocky horror is like you say, the event and the camaraderie, uh, star Wars, I would say probably the, you know, the hero hero's journey as well as yes. being some different and unique stuff, which the different and unique came up in your interview. Mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering how, if at all, these things, like I say, under underscore or highlight different things that haven't come up yet. Um, and while I was trying to f- wrap my head all around all this, it occurred to me, I wanted to maybe ask about one more thing that hasn't come up in the nope. interview, the Before the call, when we were talking about, you know, what we should put in your introductions, uh, you know, we talked about what's on IMDB and you mentioned that there was one work there that was listed that I forget how you worded it, but basically it was like a faith-based, uh, piece of work. Would that be accurate? so, So I'm wondering how, again, if your faith maybe plays into your interest in horror, because you did bring up the supernatural. Um, Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on how that impacts your approach to it? It
1: it almost sounds weird sometimes when I talk about it to other people, but I'm a big-time horror fan. I love making horror movies. But almost as much as that, I enjoy making not necessarily faith-based films – but inspirational films. I've made several short films that are inspiration-based. Um, and that Messages of Hope is an anthology film, where basically it's three short stories that are tied together with a big wraparound story. Two of the short stories I've already filmed and released as short films on their own, and they've won multiple awards. Uh, they're on uh, online on a couple different sites right now. And the third one I'm hoping to put together, or we were hoping to put it together prior to COVID hitting, so I'm really hoping that we can get it together. Um, so I, I enjoy that because... I am a faith—I won't say—I don't know how to put it exactly, but I, I do believe in God, and uh, my mother is very religious. I grew up Catholic, even though I'm not 100% sure that I consider myself Catholic at this point. I'm more Christian. I had a fiancé who was um, uh, very Christian, and and we got into writing stuff together and putting stuff together. Um, Things like that make me feel good. I, there are certain faith-based films. Like There's one called The Interview with God. That, um, is not really a. It is a faith-based movie, but it's not like your typical faith-based movie. Because when you're thinking about a faith-based movie, I think a lot of the people think like, "Oh boy, it's one of those Hallmark movies and stuff like that." And yeah, there's a lot of those out there, and I, I don't. I really like those. I like the more of the ones that are kind of based that kind of make you think that this could possibly happen or whatever. But it also helps you understand that there's something bigger at work here and that you have more, like the one short film that I made called something left to give. It's about a woman who is committing suicide and, um, and it's something that happens that kind of turns her around to realizing that she has more to give. And, you know, you, you need to think about the big picture because suicide is kind of a selfish act you know you're you're thinking of yourself at the time and the hurt that you're in and the environment that you're in and how you can't take it anymore but and how you just want the pain to end but you're not thinking about the ramifications and the other people who are going to be hurt by your decision and that are going to be forever tortured by the fact that you're no longer here and that maybe you need to go ahead and figure yourself out and take care of yourself out not just for you but for everybody else and uh it's little concepts and ideas like that that really hit something home with me and a lot of the projects the inspirational projects that I've done have touched on that and been like that.
2: Mm. Let me put that to the side for a second and ask two other questions and then we might come back to that. Um, okay. we kind of touched on this earlier we asked uh what are do you see any common threads about what kind of horror you like in terms of, you know, cannibalism, occult, metaphysical, body horror? Do um, you see any common threads?
1: Um, I don't know about common threads because I like a lot of them. I mean, the, the cannibal horror films are some great ones out there. Ravenous. Mm. Um, you know, the, a lot of really great ones. Uh, I get into stuff like the original Saw. I don't get into the 19 sequels whatever it is, but the original <laughs> one I thought was a brilliant job. Hustle. Um, you know, the zombie films. Um I'm not sure about a common thread other than the fact that I like something that you can tell that somebody put time and effort into coming up with a story okay. and wanting it to make sense yeah, no, rather a than somebody thread.
0: just good storytelling.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good storytelling. Somebody that, yeah, that took the time to, to develop something to make you think mm-hmm. rather than just slapping it out there, throwing zombies on it and expecting it to make money, which everybody does nowadays.
0: And props on going straight to Ravenous for your uh, reference for a cannibal film, by the way. That is an awesome flick. Love it. Wasn't it a good movie? flick? Yeah, it really was. So, good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's almost not about horror though. That almost seems more like um, quality judgment on the things that you like, and it, you know, there, like, so you, there's your interest in horror, and then your your quality judgment about those things that you like. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but it seems like a step removed. No,
1: I think you are. I think you are. And that's something that I definitely look at in everything that I write. I look at it in everything that I watch and everything that I listen to and everything that I read. I try to gear more towards something that I feel is more quality, something that you can tell that somebody wrote with heart, with feeling, with, with, um, with research, and they put stuff together. I mean, you're going to get some dialogue messed up here and there and some things that don't quite make sense here and there. But if you can feel that something at its core was done for the right reasons or, or, or they had the their right things in mind when they were doing it and they tried their best to make it the best they could. I appreciate that a lot more than anything that's going to throw a bucket of blood at me and guts and great special effects and this and that. I would much appreciate something that is well thought out, well planned out, well executed to me that
2: resonates more with me. I, un- I understand that what I'm saying is there's a difference between being an auteur and being a fan and discussing mm-hmm. the auteur part of it doesn't drive to the heart of what it is that makes you a fan. Hmm.
1: Mm. I don't know. That's a that's a that's a great question. I'm not. I hadn't really thought about that.
2: Um, well, let me ask a different question. Sure. If you think about the things that you enjoy about horror, you know, you could say, well, could you find those things in any other genre? And the answer there is either yes or no. If it's yes, then like we could talk about that. If the answer is no, then what is it about horror that you're not finding in those other genres? Do you know what I mean? I think the answer to that
1: in in truth is actually yes and no. I think it's more yes. Because like you said, when you asked me what my favorite movies are, the first movie I named to you wasn't a horror movie. Right. It was Goodwill Hunting. And my second favorite was True Romance, which is also not a horror movie. Right. So I think the common thread for all the movies that I consider my favorites and ones that I watch multiple times or whatever on purpose are good writing, good storytelling, and redeeming some, some kind of redeeming quality, whether it be a uniqueness a freshness, yeah. or freshness a, or a, a redeeming moral quality that kind of strikes something with me that 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 doesn't that's what i think my my common threads are for every genre of every movie mm-hmm. with regards to horror why i like horror as much i do i just think it's the feeling that you can get when you watch something fresh and unique and scary mm-hmm. if you can watch something that 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 and it's like i said it's almost impossible to scare me but i can get my adrenaline pumping i can get the hairs raising up in my arm if you can get me like that i that's one of the best feelings in the world and something that resonates with me. But I think overall, I think inspiration is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. A movie that I watch or a book that I read or whatever it is of something or a character or a storyline or or an idea or a concept or something resonates with me enough to where it inspires me to want to somehow work that into a script or develop that into a story or a character or something like that. That's what I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for something to feed my... My um my soul with regards to inspiration for another project of mine or something that I want to do, if mm. that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. And the two words I would get out of that are adrenaline and inspiration.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, I was gonna say
0: um, it sounds like if we're looking for uh, an answer as to why horror, the common thread of why horror, uh, probably just goes back to your initial viewing of what was it, The Exorcist, when you were a kid, and just that um that adrenaline.
1: And Night of the Living Dead. That not was the dead, first that was experience. Yeah. You know, so that was just the adrenaline, that adrenaline rush, and, and mm-hmm. it kept me awake, and it made me think, and it had made me ponder, and it made me dream, and and that's inspiration.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, last question. Considering the theme of the podcast, is there anything relevant that you're aware of that we haven't asked about?
1: I would say no, because, I mean, I've been on several podcasts. I've been interviewed by several podcast by uh uh print uh people and everything else and and for magazines and everything and i got to admit you guys (laughs) seriously you 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 tried to touch on a bunch of different things and bring and bring it all around to actually make me think Mm -hmm. which doesn't happen a lot and it it really made me think like okay how does this tie in and you're making me think like okay there's a common thread here somewhere that i never really looked for before Mm -hmm. and um and you brought up a lot of points that i never really thought about so i I, I loved it. I'm going to have to pay for the therapy session. It was good.
2: <laughs> we'll send you the bill. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Do you accept PayPal? <laughs> we'll
2: yes, we do. <laughs> Venmo, whatever.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, okay. I mean, adrenaline inspiration is a pretty good summary. Um, yeah, I think so. You know,
1: yeah, I would say that summed it up for me. Adrenaline inspiration for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, think before we close out, do you want to pitch again, whatever it is that you want to pitch?
1: Uh, I
2: guess the two big things that I know that are out there
1: right now, obviously I have my Halloween Horror Picture Show that's coming up at Megacon Orlando Mm -hmm. uh, August uh, 13th through 15th. Uh, That's going to be a great time. We're showing a whole selection of uh, short films and feature-length films for all three days. So if you're here in Florida or you want to come out, uh, we're happy to be back and can't wait. And also, if you get a chance and you want to try and listen to some of my uh, radio horror, it's tonight radio show. Oh, excuse me, No Sleep Tonight Horror Radio Show. And I think I also have just radio. Radio show.com. I have three episodes live there right now with a fourth getting ready to come out and I have a musical episode that's going to be coming out soon called beach blanket bloodbath that should be a lot of fun. <laughs> nice
2: <laughs> you're a busy guy All right. yeah and like I said we'll get to you together with you offline and we'll get links and all that and put a, put a bio together and link to that on the page sounds great so thank you for that and thank you uh, to anybody out there listening again please do come visit us at com. we have a list of the people we'd like to interview if you can help us connect with any of them or if you'd like to have somebody added to the list let us know uh, hit us up on social media let us know how we're doing um, just let us know how we're doing com.